Come on, stand on your feet. Let's give the Lord the praise he so richly and rightfully deserved, for this is the day the Lord has made. How many of you all are glad to be in the service one more time? Let me do a church check. How many of you all are glad to be in the service one more time? I need you to talk to me back through your mask. How many of you all are glad to be in the service? Hallelujah. 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 As you're standing, as you're standing, as you're standing, we want to welcome each and every one of you to our worship experience, particularly those that are watching us online on Zoom, Facebook Live, on YouTube, on Vimeo, or listening to us through the telephone. Welcome to St. Paul Online. For those that are in the house, welcome to St. Paul, 1401 Allen Street. If you're watching us on Facebook, Vimeo, YouTube, or engaging in our live chat room found on our church website, uh, our digital ministers and social media influencers are ready to engage you this morning. God knows I'm so appreciative for them. So if you would, on Facebook, share on your personal timeline, tag those you want to invite to watch this post. If you're on YouTube, subscribe to our YouTube channel, text this link to your uh, personal network. And if you're in the chat room on our church website, Click on the invite button in your chat window to share this experience with others. Amen. And wherever you're watching us right now, if you would, in your chat, just put where you're watching us. If you're in Charlotte, just put it in Charlotte. If you're in Monroe, if you're in Union County, if you're in South Carolina, put wherever you're watching us right now in the chat. We want to know where you are. Amen. If you would, do me a favor. Put your hands together. Minister Eric Edwards is going to come lead us in our worship experience. Amen. And let's give God the glory he so richly and rightfully deserves. Hallelujah. The psalm simply says, sing praises to the Lord. Oh, you his faithful ones and give thanks to his holy name. I'm just wondering, is there anybody who's glad to just be in service one more time? Is anybody who's glad to just worship our living and great God? God is alive. And that is reason enough to praise him because he is good. He is great. He is wonderful. He is God. Put your blessed hands together and give God the praise that he so richly and rightfully deserves. Amen. Let's join in with the choir as we sing praise him, praise him.
him. For those who are watching on our various social media platforms, if you would just put in the chat the city, the state, the country that you are watching us from so that you that, so that we know that you are gathered with us today. Our morning scripture will come from Psalm 34 verses 1 through 8. And it reads, I will bless the Lord at all times. His praise shall continually be in my mouth. My soul shall make its boast in the Lord. The humble shall hear and of it and be glad. Oh, magnify the Lord with me and let us exalt his name together. I sought the Lord and he heard me and delivered me from all my fears. They looked to him and were radiant and their faces were not ashamed. This poor man cried out, and the Lord heard him and saved him out of all his troubles. The angel of the Lord encamps all around those who fear him and delivers them. Oh, taste and see that the Lord is good. Blessed is the man who trusts in him. The word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Let's go to God in prayer this morning. Oh, God, we come before you this morning just to say thank you. God, we're so grateful for another opportunity to just be back in your sanctuary, to join back online and to give you the praise, the glory, the honor. God, we say thank you for another opportunity to just worship you, Father God, to behold your presence. And God, we know that you're already here. So God, while you're here, go ahead and move among the house, God. Move in the living rooms, in the kitchens, in the bedrooms of those who are watching on God, uh, watching online. And God, allow us to feel you. God, allow your presence to just manifest itself in this place today. God, be glorified through the singing. God, be glorified through the sermon. Be glorified through the invitation. God, be ye glorified today and have your way, God. And we will be grateful for how we experience you. God, we love you. We say thank you. It's in Jesus' name that we pray. Amen. You all may be seated.
power in your name. There is power in the name of Jesus. Power in your name. There is power in need to do a church check right now. How many of you all know that there is power in the name of Jesus? How many of you all really believe there is healing in the name of Jesus? How many of you all know there's deliverance in the name of Jesus? I'm just trying to do a church check. I don't want us to ever take for granted ever again being able to come into the house of the Lord and to lift up holy hands and to give God praise. I want to do a church check one more time. How many of y'all really believe what Paul says that at the name of Jesus every knee must bow and every tongue must confess that he is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Come on, one more time, Scott. Take him around. your name. your name. your name. 
Anybody know that God is great and he's greatly to be praised from the rising of the sun to the going down of the same. He is great and greatly to be praised. God is better than good. Hallelujah. He's great. Be, be seated if you can. Be seated if you can. Be seated if you can. Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. We have a baby dedication today, and can we give God praise for that? I'm going to ask that the, um, um, that the parents of Hampton Love Graves, as well as his siblings, would come uh, forward as we prepare to dedicate this little one back to, to the Lord. And I'm going to ask that the family, if you would stand uh, to show your presence. Amen. Come on, let's give God praise. Y'all the Godparents? All right. Oh, hold that. Thank you. <laughs> First of all, let me just say what a blessed joy it is, um, Andre and Jerrica, for, for us to be at this place. Um, we walk with you all through some tough times. And um, you allow for us to be in that space. And here's what I want to commend you all on that after that, that tragic incident with your firstborn, a whole lot of young people would have said, forget God. But you all hung in there. And through your tears and through your frustration, like Job, he has given you double for your trouble. <laughs> And so we come to dedicate Hampton back to the Lord. And, and I, I, I just want to take this time to, to say what a blessing you all have been through your example to this church. Of faithfulness through frustration. 
and through doubt and through dark moments. We don't take that for granted. And you allowed for us to be there, but even more so importantly than that, you all have been here. Uh, Erica, get see, where's get some tissue for me? Amen. Yeah, I love y'all. Y'all are right in my book, even though you are a Kappa. <laughs> Amen. I want to give a charge to these parents and to the godparents you all are here. And so um, before we do this, I love to use this moment as an instruction time. Um, the parents know what they're supposed to do. You love this child unconditionally. Pray for him. Raise him in the fear and admonition of the Lord that one day he will come to the saving grace of Jesus Christ as his Lord and Savior. Do you know what the roles of the godparents are? What's that? Man. <laughs> that's, one, that's, that's one of the first times I've ever heard anybody explain it that way. The purpose of godparent. Let them in. Let them in. Let them in. The purpose of the godparent is not to raise the child. The purpose of the godparent is to provide and give encouragement and religious instruction. And if they don't take the child to church, you got to do that. Amen. That's God parent. All right. Grandparents. Where are the grandparents? Y'all know what y'all job is, right? Spoil the child and send them back home. Amen. Amen. And to the rest of the family, you're called to love and pray for this family. So, to Andre and to Jerrica, do you promise to love Hampton unconditionally? Be example of God's grace and mercy and one day lead him to the saving grace of Jesus Christ as his Lord and Savior? If so, say we do. To the family and friends that are gathered from near and far, do you promise to support this couple in the rearing of their child so that one day Hampton will come to the saving grace of Jesus Christ for himself? If so, say we do. I'm going to ask that the St. Paul family, would you stand and those who are visiting with us who have a relationship with Jesus Christ? Do you as a church family promise to give Hampton the space to be a little boy in this church? To, to run around and be a child and be examples of God's grace and kindness and compassion? If so, say we do. Do you promise to pray for these parents? That they will raise them in the fear and admonition of the Lord. If so, say we do. Amen. At this time, hold this mic for me. I want to pray for Hampton. God, we come and we thank you for Hampton love. We thank you for his parents. We thank you for his extended family. We thank you for the godparents. We thank you for the St. Paul Church. And right now, God, we pray for this couple. That you will continue to bind their romantic love into an agape love. That they will continue to love each other. Not only romantically but unconditionally as you have loved us. And that Hampton will see that love. And one day want to know who Jesus Christ is for himself. Thank you oh God for bringing this couple from dark moments to this moment right now. We don't take that for granted oh God. And we celebrate you and we adore you right now, God. So, God, if you would, have your way in Hampton's life and we'll bless your name for that. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. All right. Hampton, come here, buddy. We dedicate you 
in the name of the Father and in the name of the Son and in the name of the blessed Holy Spirit. We have a certificate that we want to give to you all that is a reminder of this wonderful day. Uh, Put it somewhere special where he can see it. You all continue to do what you're doing, and I guarantee if you do what you're doing, one day we'll see him coming down the aisle, and we'll be baptizing him in the name of Jesus. God bless you all. Thank you all. You may return to your seats. You may be seated. Come on, let's give the Lord the praise he so richly and rightfully deserves. Amen, 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 amen. Good morning, St. Paul. And good morning to those who are watching us online. We greet you with Jesus' joy. What a wonderful, blessed privilege it is for us to be in the service one more time. Before I get started, I want to personally, personally take this time to thank you all for being such a wonderful blessing to my family and me over these five years of serving as your pastor. Thank you all so very, very much. When I came here in October of 2016, never in a thousand years would I have thought we would be going through what we're going through right now. And yet somehow in God's own imitable sovereign way, God has sustained us, God has strengthened us, and God continues to expand our territory. And I'll be the first to admit, it's not because of me, it's because of you and your faithfulness in God. And so I want to thank you all, St. Paul. I want to thank you all. I don't take this for granted. I stand on the shoulders of my predecessors, Dr. Mayfield, Dr. Wirtz, Dr. Paul Drummond, Dr. Greg Moss. I stand on their shoulders And I continue to build my part of the bridge that they have so wonderfully and graciously done over 121 years of our existence. And and St. Paul, I want you all to know that I consider you all to be a very precious gift to me and to my family. Uh, I don't know, Pierre, you want to say something? Are you? Pierre's going like, no, I don't want to say nothing. All right. All right. So I'm speaking on behalf of the family. Um, But when I say that that we all love you, we really do love you. And again, St. Paul, thank you for your prayers, for your words of encouragement, for your fellowship. And watch this. And for your leadership, because I have grown greatly in my walk with God by walking with you all. So thank you all so very, very much for a wonderful five years. I'm looking forward to what God is going to do over the next five years and the next 10 years and however long the Lord will allow for us to be here. But God has great things in store for this congregation, for this place, for this space. And again, thank you all so, so very much for all that you all have done over these five years. Thank you again. Let me, if I could, I just want to uh, share uh, several observations with you all, and then we're going to move forward as far as our time of worship uh, is concerned. 
I want you to know that we've started something new here at St. Paul Church, uh, Sermon Conversations. And we're starting new iConnect group studies here at St. Paul, where we're having five small groups organized by life stages. That's 10 to, I mean, uh, 20 to 30-year-olds, 30 to 40-year-olds, 40 to 50-year-olds, 50 and above. Uh, and there's some other uh, age groups in that that are having conversations as far as the preaching is concerned here at the St. Paul Church. So what is happening is we are walking through the book of James. I will preach, I will teach on James on the Thursday, preach on it on Sunday. You all will talk about it on Tuesday and Wednesday as far as that word is concerned. You can register on our church webpage or through the links shared on Facebook. And if you're in the church database, we'll send out an email to you today with registration links that you can connect to. If you have any questions, contact Reverend Brenda Richardson here at the church, uh, and she can help you as far as that is concerned. Just also want to let you all know that we have uh, Kaya will be taking place on this Wednesday at 7 o'clock. We're having an engaging panel discussion called Brother to Brother, an intergenerational conversation that's going to be hosted by Minister Jeffrey Stevenson. He was on TV last week. Amen. And um, um, and so we want you to mark your calendar, join in the conversation on Facebook, YouTube, Vimeo, phone, live stream or the church website. Next Sunday is college T-shirt Sunday. And so if you would like. Uh, we know that for the culture is Halloween, uh, but next Sunday, this is what you could come dressed as come dressed as your favorite college student. Somebody catch that on the way home. All right. Come dressed as your favorite college student uh, as far as uh, next week is concerned. And we're looking forward to having a wonderful, wonderful time in our worship experience. Um, on next Sunday, right after our worship experience, we're going to be having a training session for those that are interested in joining our first impression ministry for the task of checking in people uh, as they come into the church. If you're interested in volunteering, please join in this training on next Sunday. Uh, the last thing I want to share is that we have Thankful Thursday that's coming up uh, November the 4th, 11th and 18th. We got some dynamic preachers that are going to bless us each and every Thursday leading up to Thanksgiving. On November the 4th, my nephew, the Reverend Dr. Willie Francois, senior pastor at the Mount Zion Baptist Church in Pleasantville, New Jersey, will preach for us. On November the 11th, my fraternity brother, Bishop Joseph Walker III, senior pastor at the Mount Zion Baptist Church in Nashville, Tennessee, will be blessing us. And then the newly elected pastor of the Shallow Baptist Church in Plainfield, New Jersey, Dr. Danielle Brown, will close us out. We want to invite you to come in person or join us online as far as that worship experience is concerned. You will be blessed. We will start each service each night at 7 o'clock p.m., but I do want to say you really kind of want to be in the place to hear and experience uh, what's going to be electric in this space. But if you can't come, check us out online, and I guarantee you will be blessed as well. Amen? Amen. Amen. Well, it is um, uh, prayer time, and I am. Uh, I want to lift up uh, several prayer concerns um, for you as we get ready to go to the Lord in prayer. We want to lift up the family of Brother Bruce Gordon. He's the brother of Sister Brenda Irwin and Sister Dorothy Patterson. Is Brenda here? Is Sister Irwin here? 
I don't see her here. We want to lift her up in prayer. I didn't know she had a twin, uh, uh, but that was her twin. Am I correct? And when I saw her, I'm going like, ooh, I see it. That was her twin. We want to lift her up in prayer. Those services were held yesterday at Park Road Baptist Church. The family of Sister Hattie Murphy, the sister Ernestine Harris, and Sister Clara Robson. Those services were Friday at A.E. Greer uh, here in Charlotte. The family of Sister Charlene Gant, the sister of Brother Leroy Gant, um, the family of Brother Eric Deese, uh, the son of uh, Alafia Barnett, and the grandson of Deacon Angela McDonald and Brother Harry McDonald. We continue to lift that family up in prayer, as well as the family of Miss Ziona Pfeiffer, the daughter of Brother Warren Mason and Sister Keisha Pfeiffer. We continue to lift that family up in prayer. We continue to lift up Reverend Grace Ridgeway, Brother Reginald Steele, Artie Clyburn, our pastor emeritus, Dr. Paul Drummond and his wife, uh, Lady Thomasina Drummond. We continue to lift up Deacon Michael Underwood as far as prayer is concerned. And whatever prayer concerns you may have, we lift those prayer concerns up as well. So as we prepare to go to the Lord in prayer, I'm going to ask that uh, Minister uh, uh, Eric Edwards will come take us to the throne of grace. Let's go to God in prayer. God, we come before you right now just to say thank you. God, we know that throughout all the turmoil that is going on, that you're still God and that you are still reigning on your throne, that you are still very present in this world. So, God, thank you for your consistent presence. And God, we say thank you for our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Jesus, thank you for sacrificing your life for us. Jesus, we cannot ever thank you enough because what you did for us is greater than anything. Jesus, thank you for your love. God, we come before you right now with many prayer concerns, God. So much death, so much trauma, so much violence going on, God. We just ask that you continue to reign. God, I heard a stat on the news that so much killing and gun violence is going on in our very own community. God, this is troublesome. But God, we know you have all the power to heal, God. We know that you have all the power to take care of those who need your protection. So God, reign right now. God, so many people are hurting, God. I pray that you send your comforting presence to them, God. Wrap your loving arms around those who are suffering, God. Those who are without, those who are the least of these, those who are the marginalized, those who are the impoverished. God, continue to lift them up and provide for them only like how you can. And God, we have our very own problems in our lives. Whatever they may be, oh God, we take it to you right now. Whether it may be divorce, whether it may be family, maybe it may be money, maybe it may be a job. God, whatever it is, we turn it over to you right now because we trust you, God. And oh God, I just pray that as we continue to walk this journey, God, that we have an increased faith in you. That we trust you, oh God, with all that we're going through. God, make us better. Help us to be better followers of Christ. Help us to live better, oh God. Help us to be obedient to your word and to you. Oh God, and lastly, forgive us of all our sins. For we know that we've fallen short. We know that we've messed up. God, make us better. 
and heal us, God. Conform us to the servant that you desire for us to be. Oh, God, we love you and we thank you for all that you're doing, all that you continue to do, and for what you're going to do in the future. It is in your son, our Savior name, that we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. If you believe that God is answering your prayer, can you give God the praise he's so richly and rightfully done? Let me, let me try that one more time. If you believe God is answering your prayer, go ahead and give a preemptive praise right now. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. It's offering time. It's offering time. It is offering time. It is offering time. Uh, I think in my observations, I am told that Sister Gwendolyn Garnett, who is the chair of our board of directors, uh, is to come at this particular time. St. Paul. How's everybody doing? Doing fine. It's a beautiful day to be here to celebrate five years with Pastor Scott being our leader. I think back to where, yes, let's applaud. I think back to where we were when we were without a pastor for a period, and we were blessed to have uh, Dr. Hayward Gray with his funny self and Dr. Battle, who really guided us through that with teaching and preaching. But we were missing that leader, that everyday leader who really bonded us as a family. And so God called this man here, this Omega, and I'll, I'll give, give you props, Pastor <laughs> Scott. I'm not Greek at all, guys. But God sent us who we needed in this season. Pastor Scott is a rarity. He's an administrator, a leader, somebody that in any corporation could lead. He's a teacher who really is making sure that's his number one priority, that we grow spiritually and that we as disciples go find others to bring and, and bring them to God. He can preach his Mississippi self off. And it's good to see when he says, my Mississippi is coming out. We, we appreciate that because we are blessed to have a man and a leader who embraces all of those things. And he's humble. Pastor Scott loves us. We know that. I see his unselfish giving that he does. He pushes us when we don't want to be pushed. And we know that. And we've heard some grumblings. But he pushes us to be the better, the better church we can be. Because, guys, we've seen nothing yet. And the last couple things I'll say, he pushed us to be prepared for a pandemic. We didn't know that was coming. Look at our, for those of you that are online, look at our virtual ministry, how it's grown. There's so many things. And Lady Pierre. It's so great to see a, a, a lady of God working beside your husband. Yes. And working with arm in arm and not out front, but with everyone. And Cheris, it's been wonderful seeing you go from this little girl to this beautiful young lady who is blossoming. And guys, look out for her because that's a praying warrior. So with all of that, Pastor Scott, would you come down, please? On behalf of, of the disciples of St. Paul, I want to present you with this gift, and I should have put my mask back on, I'm sorry. I want to present you with this gift, and we look forward to another 5, 10, 15, however far you want to count, <laughs> to be our leader and our pastor, and we love you.
donation gift um, after we do the, the offering. Uh, Jerry said that just raise, first the offering, because offering comes first, but raise your hands and they will come to you and get your gift. You don't have to walk. So everybody clear on that? If you have a gift you want to give after the offering, raise your hand and the, um, uh, the finance team will come to you and get it. Thank you. Thank you all so much for your kindness um, and, and your graciousness and your largesse. And, and again, I really meant what I said. It is such a joy to be doing life with you all and to be growing in my walk with God with you all. Thank you all so very, very much. Well, it is offering time, and uh, as we prepare to give, there are three ways you can give here at the St. Paul Church. The first way you can give is by either mailing your check or money order to the church at 1401 Allen Street, Charlotte 28205, or you can drop off your check, cash, or money order here at the church. Call the church office first to make someone, make sure someone is here to receive your offering at 704-334-5309, and we will put it in the safe and it'll be part of the next Sunday's count. The second way you can give is through our church website, ACS or Church Life. And then the third way you can give is through the app called Givelify. If you don't have that app on your smart device, download it to your smart device, connect to your favorite credit card, and in three clicks, you can give. So do me this favor, if you would, take your offering, if you're able, and place it in your right hand and lift it to the heavens. We want to give God what's right, not what's left. And let's go to the Lord in prayer. God, we come and we thank you right now for the wonderful opportunity to partner with you in giving our tithes and offerings. We do this out of love and graciousness and generosity and gratitude, not grudgingly, because, Lord, you have blessed us beyond measure. God, if you would, in your own sovereign way, take these gifts of ours, multiply them in a Godful way so that ultimately your word, your witness and your work through our worship will go forth. And you'll be edified and glorified in the culture and in your world. It is in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Do me a favor. If you have a physical offering, there's a basket on the uh, pew in front of you. You do not need to touch that basket. If you would, just drop your offering in that basket. And we will receive uh, the offering at this time. And as we prepare to give, uh, it is a joy of mine to introduce our guest preacher for this morning. Um, he is no stranger to the St. Paul Church. As a matter of fact, he was one of the first uh, visiting preachers I brought here. I had the wonderful opportunity when I served uh, in my service as uh, an officer of the Hampton University Ministers Conference to hear him preach my first year in office. And let me tell you, uh, he was the morning preacher and he messed me up. And I said, God, I got to have this brother at my church. And so we forged a friendship. And since 2015, that friendship has been growing and developing. And he has been a blessing to me. He is none other than the Reverend Dr. Stephen G. Blunt, the senior pastor of the First Baptist Church Mahan in Suffolk, North, I mean, Suffolk, Virginia. God has allowed for him to be at that church. How long is it, Doc? 18? 18 years. And they just built a brand new sanctuary prior to the pandemic. And uh, he is doing an incredible work in that area. He is a double graduate of Virginia Union University. Uh, he's also, uh, as far as uh, undergraduate and seminary, he's also a graduate of Union Presbyterian School of Christian Education in Richmond, Virginia. 
and he earned a doctor of ministry degree from Howard University Divinity School. Um, I, I, we got some Howard folks in the house. Amen. Um, uh, the Lord has allowed for him to do a tremendous work. He is the immediate past president of the Baptist General Convention of Virginia, one of the youngest to serve in that position. For the Alphas in the house, he is a member of Alpha Phi Alpha Fraternity. It's going to be one of those days. <laughs> but, but even more so important than that, he is on the Virginia Union University Board of Trustees. And he's doing a lot in his community to not only uplift the name of Jesus, but also to impact our people and do the work of liberation and freedom fighting. I am so, so delighted not only to call him friend and brother beloved, but he is a preacher. And I know that if you pray for him, pray with him, the Lord will use him in a mighty and a magnificent way. So would you do me a favor as the choir prepares to sing, put your hands together, give God praise for my friend, my brother, Dr. Stephen G. Blunt, who will be blessing us with the word of God uh, in just a moment. Before the choir sing, I need to do one more thing and it slipped my, my mind. Please charge to my mind, not my heart. Uh, Reverend Bernie, stand up. I want you all to do me a favor. Can you all give God praise for Reverend Bernie? He got it. And bless our young people over the last two weeks as far as those services are concerned. Thank you so much, my brother. I am so appreciative of you taking that weight. Uh, did a wonderful job with Eric Deese as well as Young Pfeiffer funeral, and we want to continue to lift him up. You all can't even begin to imagine what that takes out of us. Uh, so I want to thank him. And then Minister Jeffrey Stevenson, who stood and preached last Sunday, did an awesome job. Can you give God praise for him? Thank you, Minister Stevenson, uh, for your wonderful work. All right. Choir, would you bless us? Next voice you will hear be that of my friend and my brother, Reverend Dr. Stephen Blunt. Oh, oh, oh. 
At the mention of your name, every knee must bow, every tongue confess that you are, you are Lord. Yeah. At the mention of your name, the scales fall from their eyes, once blinded eyes will see that you are, you Every tongue confess that you are, you are, Lord. Mm -hmm. At the mention of your name, every knee must bow. Every tongue confess that you are, you for this day for this moment and for this morning for the joy that is once again ours to call and affirm on your holy and your most righteous name we're grateful God for your watching over us as we slept on last night and that even early this morning before we realized our own consciousness you had already looked beyond our faults, already seen our needs, and already touched us with your finger of divine and sovereign love. And once more on this Sabbath day, we have the testimony that if it had not been for the Lord on our side, 
wither will we even be right now. And so, God, we bless you. We praise you. We lift your name on high even now. And we affirm this moment of your grace and your mercy as we press towards the high calling and the mark that you called for each of us. We pray now, Lord, have thine own way in this preaching moment. Take now, we pray this, your child and your servant in the midst of frailty and faculty. Allow your will, your way, and your word to come forth. We admit on today, Lord, that we need a word from thee that reminds us once more that you are still God all by yourself. That you still, you still, even yet in a pandemic, that you still sit high and look low. And that you're able to do anything but fail. And so we declare now, Lord, have thine own way in this place. And we vow, Father, that we'll be ever so careful to continue to give thy name all the glory, the honor, and the praise. For this is our prayer. And we seal it now in the only name that matters. In the name of our risen Lord, our returning King, Christ, and Messiah, we do pray. Come on, let everybody, let the entire church, whether we're in this physical space or on the digital divide, wherever we are, let's let the whole church say amen, amen, and amen, amen. Grace and peace, grace and peace to each of you, my beloved, on this glorious day that the Lord has graced and favored each of us with. What a joy it is, St. Paul, to be able to see you all again and to be able to come back and to share and to be a part of another wonderful experience where we affirm the sovereignty of our Lord and our Savior, Jesus Christ. I know we've already done this, but look, can you all just join me once more in celebrating your pastor, your pastor, your prophetic sage, an acolyte for God's kingdom in a magnanimous way. Come on, let's celebrate Reverend Dr. Robert Charles Scott on today. What a tremendous honor and joy it is. We thank God for him and for the grace that has kept and covered him. Come on, we thank God for his entire family on today, to Lady Pierre and to Charis and the entire Scott family. What a tremendous joy of what God has done over these last five years and the uh, prophetic and pertinent paradigm of leadership that has been demonstrated here in the midst of the pandemic where many academicians are now saying that to pastor in the pandemic, it's not a 12-month context, but actually it's, it advances us almost seven years now, that for every year in the pandemic, it's actually seven years in the historical mainline African-American Black Baptist Church experience. And so to celebrate what God has done, and what God is doing, and to see each of you on today affirming that favor, what a joy it is. What a joy it is. To our worship leader, Reverend Edwards, let's show him some love. We thank God for this young brother. <laughs> to the entire ministerial team, the clergy team, and the cadre here at St. Paul, to the stewardship and uh, administrative team, to all of the volunteers, to the hospitality, and to this wonderful music ministry. We honor them on today. It's always a joy to be able to share with in their company. And to all of you, my beloved brothers and sisters in Christ, it is good to see you again. And we thank God for the joy that allowed. Per per permit me just a, a very quick privilege. I want to recognize and give a very warm and special shout out to someone who is very near and dear to my heart and to my, my family. 
uh, uh, certainly a, a former member of First Baptist Church, Mayhem, but in every single sense of the word, still part of the fabric and the family of all things 112. I want to shout out Sister Terrell Munden on today. Love you, sis. Good to see you on today, and I thank God for you. Uh, tremendous joy always being in your presence and your company. I pray that you and Eric and the entire family are well on today. Look, I'm not going to delay the moment of my assignment. Look with me, if you will. The Old Testament of your Bible, second book of the Bible, the book of Exodus, the 17th chapter, beginning in verse 1, I'm going to read uh, a very familiar pericope, context of scripture, that in my own humble estimation and opinion speaks in a very real way, not only to the transient, the transformative dynamic that we're experiencing in this season of the pandemic, but as we come now to celebrate what God has done over the last five years of pastoring people while in the midst of the pandemic, a narrative that I believe speaks to the relationship between the divine and the shepherd, the shepherd and the sheep, and the responsibility of all that it pertains to the accountability within the house of Christ. And so in the book of Exodus, that 17th chapter, beginning in verse 1, hear the word of our Lord. And it reads kind of like a soap opera. So just bear with me as I'm reading this. Verse 1, chapter 7. And it reads, And all the congregation of the children of Israel, the whole community, traveled on their journey from the desert of sin according to the Lord's instruction. And they pitched their camp there in Rephidim. And there in Rephidim, there was no water for the people to drink. And so the people, they, content, they contended, they chided with Moses and they said, give us water that we may drink. Moses said to them, why do you contend with me? Why do you test the Lord? But the people there were very thirsty for water. And so they murmured against Moses. And they said, why in the world did you bring us up out of Egypt? To kill us and our children and our cattle with thirst. Then Moses cried out to the Lord, what will I do with this people? A little more, Lord, and they will stone me. The Lord said unto Moses, Moses, go over before the people, take with you some of the elders of Israel, and take in your hand your staff with which you struck the Nile, and go. I, behold, will be standing before you there on the rock in Horeb, and you will strike the rock, and water will come out of it, so that the people may drink. Moses did so in plain view and sight of the elders of Israel, and he called the name of the place Massa and Meribah because of the chiding and the contending of the Israelites and because of their testing of the Lord, saying, Is the Lord among us or not? The eighth verse is a transitional verse from the first aforementioned first seven verses because it says, Then came Amalek. And he attacked Israel in Rephidim. And so Moses said to Joshua, choose some of our men and go out, fight against Amalek. Tomorrow I will stand on top of the hill with the staff of God in my hand. 
And so Joshua, he fought against Amalek just as Moses had instructed him. And Moses, Aaron, and Ur went up to the top of the hill. Whenever Moses would raise his hands, then Israel prevailed. But whenever he would rest his hands, then Amalek prevailed. When the hands of Moses became heavy, when they were weary, they then took a stone and put it underneath him. And Aaron and Ur held up his hands, one on one side and one on the other. And so his hands became steady until the going down of the sun. And so Joshua, verse 13, destroyed Amalek, discomfited Amalek and his entire army that day with the edge of the sword. Amen. I want to concentrate on the thought today simply, I need some help. If, if you don't mind, I know we're socially distanced, but just look at somebody and wink at them over your mask and just tell them, I, I don't know about you, but I, I need some help. Recently, recently there was an article, I believe, in the Huffington Post that detailed a narrative study which targeted citizens all up and down throughout in the midst the mid-Atlantic portion of our country, interviewing them, surveying them on how they felt, what they witnessed, what they recognized and discerned as their greatest inadequacies during this season of the pandemic. The study was an attempt to see if there was any particular correlation against and across all peculiar demographics in that particular context pertaining to what troubled, what worried, what perplexed, what anguished, and what fed some sense of trepidation in the hearts of individuals as they saw in themselves their greatest challenges, their greatest concerns, their greatest fears, their greatest inadequacies during this season of the pandemic. They listed 10 or so in the article, one to 10 chronologically, and the majority of them, at least the first nine, you know, they didn't really jump off the page because it was stuff that you would expect and anticipate probably if the same interview was given on today. Some of the same answers we would register here in the house of worship on today. Uh, inadequacies, uh, uh, how to manage money better in the pandemic, uh, how to stay healthy, how to maintain a healthy and constructive marriage, trying to relate to teenage children and young adult children in the pandemic, caring for an aging or an elderly parent, grandparent, or loved one, trying to save up enough for retirement, uh, trying not to catch a case on your job because you left the job on Friday and you asked the Lord, Lord, you better get there. You might want to be there Monday before I show back up. Because she got one more time to look at me crazy. He has one more time to say something slick out his mouth. And I swear, Lord, in the name of Bernie Mac, it's going to be some furniture moving around in that office on Monday. One through ten. Things that we 
probably all would have registered at some point. But, Pastor Scott, it was that tenth response that really kind of caught me off guard. It, it resonated with me. It literally leapt off the page for it said that upon all of those that were surveyed, out of all the answers that had already been registered one through nine, the tenth response across the mid-Atlantic dynamic simply said, I just need some help. That's it. No, no, no details, no particularities, no particular exigencies or specifics to any honed specification or designated area of life. Simply, when asked what they felt their greatest inadequacies were in this season during the pandemic of their lives, those interviewed on that particular response just simply said, you know what, it would just be nice if I had some help. I don't know. I don't know who you are. I don't know where you're seated on today. Again, those words resonated with me and I can sense on today that by virtue of your presence in this space that you're even now beginning to intonate very softly underneath your mask. For those of you who are sharing and visiting and joining with us in the digital space as well, I can sense you even at home right now saying to yourself whisperly, just to yourself, yeah, that's me. I just need some help. I'm on a job where it appears that I'm the only one who ever comes to work to actually do some work. I just need some help. I'm in a career field that is extremely demanding with pressured expectations on every hand. And every time I turn around, I'm having to do more and more and more. My job description continues to grow, but yet there's a cap on my salary, my potential and my progress. I just need some help. I'm going to find what pew you own. I'm in a house. I'm in a relationship. I'm in a marriage where nobody wants to do anything but sit around all day and wait for me to get home to do everything. I just need some help. The weight of the world is on my shoulders, in my family, in my relationships, in my friendships, in my church, in my organizations, in my circles, even, yea, in my ministries. And I've got to be everything for everybody. And if the truth be told, oftentimes I feel guilty when I wish that I could just sometimes be nobody to anybody because I rarely ever have the time to be somebody to myself. I just need some help. I know, I, I know that you're in here today and I know that you're wrestling with and I also know that if Pastor Scott would have had you up here right now on the pay, on the stage, on the pulpit with the mic, that you would be the one instead of me saying, you know what, yeah, you all in my gumbo right now, preacher, because please don't let this church suit or this church dress or this Sunday morning attire fool you. I know, I know that I look like I have it all together. I know it may seem as if I've got everything under control and to others it may even seem like I've got every single decimal morsel and every spark plug of my life running like a well-tuned precision engine. But if the truth be told, sometimes, sometimes I'm barely making it. In fact, if I can be honest on today, I'm faking it more than I'm making it. I'm, I'm barely holding it together most days. The days, the weeks, the months, the years, and the seasons just keep getting longer and longer. I've done and I'm doing all that I know how to do. And though I'm, I'm, I'm not complaining, all I'm saying is that every now and then it would just be nice to just have a little help every now and then. Wave at somebody if you can. Put that in the chat if you can. Say, I don't know. I think this sermon is for you. You need some help. You need some help. Well, I hope you didn't close your Bible. If there, if there was anyone in the Bible 
who had ever hung out a shingle or placed an ad in the paper stating help wanted, it was certainly Brother Pastor Moses. Let me see if I can walk us through some of this. By this point in the narrative, uh, the journey in and of itself has aged and taken its toll on Moses. He's, He's not broken, but he's bruised. He's not worried, but he's weary. He's not faithless, but he is frustrated. And he's, he's not torn, but he is tired. You know, the, the, the years, if you're not careful, the years can do that to you. Uh, they can take years off your life. It can take the joy and the pep out of your step. Especially, especially when so many of those years have been filled in the midst of the kingdom work, having to deal with the peculiarities of contention, conflict, and strife. With all of the challenges in his own personal life, in addition to all of the challenges that accompany leading God's people out of oppression, when many of them, by virtue of their actions, illustrated that they would have preferred to have remained in Egypt than to have experienced freedom and liberation in the promised land. With all of those challenges and realities going on now, the word says for some 40 years, Moses is now tired. Uh, uh, My father, who pastored First Baptist Church, Franklin, Virginia, for 23 and a half years, never allowed the choir to sing the song, I don't feel no ways tired. Because my father's personal pastoral theology was simply this. The only reason you ain't tired is because you ain't doing nothing. But if you're doing this work, if you're keeping your hands to the plow every now and then you get tired and you honestly understand and affirm that, you know what? I need some help too. Moses is tired. He, he needs some help. There's no record of him actually asking for any, but... But the joy is the evidence within the narrative that he eventually would receive it. The word says during one of the most critical battles of Israelite history, the Bible says that while they were making their way to the promised land, that the Hebrews were attacked by an enemy named Amalek. You do. You do the research on Amalek and what you'll discover is that Amalek was actually the great grandson of Esau. And the great nephew of Jacob. And so all of his life, Amalek had grown up hearing the story at the family cookout and the family reunion. How his great uncle Jacob stole the rightful birthright from his grandfather Esau. And so he grew up disliking that side of the family track. The history of his family had left a bitter taste in Amalek's mouth because he felt that his side of the family had been wronged due to the Abrahamic patriarchal covenant that was supposed to have read Abraham, Isaac, and Esau. But now due to a change in divine copyright publishing, now reads Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. There was a big beef at the family reunion and Amalek made the decision that somebody's got to stand up for his side of the family. And though his family then took on the name, the Amalekites, sworn enemies of the children of Israel, second cousins 
who had sequestered all of the agricultural land on the fringes of the promised land along the Negev. So if you want to go to the promised land, if you want to get something to eat, if you want some gas, if you want something to drink, you can't do it without going through your second cousin's land who's already said, when I see you, it's going to be some smoke in the city. And so in order to receive what God has promised to them, they, the Israelites, would now have to face an enemy that they knew all too well, that knew them all too well, and was willing and prepared to fight them over a beef that most of them in the family knew nothing about. Real quick, that's why I want to share this right here with someone in here on today who needs some help that we need to realize, first of all, that when we're in need of help, we got to first realize, hear this, that even though your destination has been promised, it does not necessarily mean that your journey has been promised to be burden free. What's your point, pastor? What God has for you may indeed be promised. But I'm here to share with you on today that the way to it isn't always going to be easy. Uh, uh, your blessing may be promised and your miracle may indeed be promised. But there are still some things that you're just going to have to learn how to press through in order to receive what God has for you. I can tell by the way that some of you are looking at me over the top of your mask. I know that some of us would like to believe uh, uh, that just because we're saved... Uh, that our blessings shouldn't have to come with any burdens. That our miracles should not have to come with any management. And that your payoff should not have to come with any push or pain. I, I know that some of us would like to believe that since we've given our lives to the Lord. And that since we are good standing members of the St. Paul Baptist Church. That once you came out of Egypt, once you got past Pharaoh, and once you made it across your Red Sea. That everything was just supposed to be smooth and perfect in your life, like a shot A playlist, and that you were just going to cruise in the HOV lane all the way to your promised land. But Moses, but Moses hollered at me early this morning, and he had me to remind someone on here today that though your destination may be promised, it does not mean that your journey to your destination is without challenge, is without opposition, or is without burdens. If Pastor Scott could testify on today, I know that these five years have been a blessing, but these five years, 35 years, if you use the math, according to what academicians are calling during the season of the pandemic, everything along the way to the journey has not been easy. And I want to share with somebody behind you on today that your blessing is in promise. You can shout off that, but it does not mean that you're going to have to push for it. I'm here to tell you that your breakthrough today, it is promised. You can thank the Lord for that, but you're still going to have to press forward. I'm trying to find where you are. I'm here to tell you that your healing is promised. Your redemption is promised. Your way out of no way has already been made in fashion with your name and your initials on it. But just because the Lord has promised it does not mean that you're not going to have to push and persevere to get to it. My Bible still says that the race is not given to the swift, nor the battle to the strong. Here it is. But to the one who endures, who pushes, who presses to the end, shall be saved. 
Amen. It may be promised, but it's but it's not going to be burden free. Your healing is promised, but it's not going to be without push. You're going to have to push on your job tomorrow. You're going to have to push for your family. You're going to have to push for your children. You're going to have to push for your marriage. You're going to have to push for your education. You're going to have to push for this ministry. You're going to have to push for your deliverance. It's already been promised. But you got to. Wave at somebody needs to say, you got to push, you got to push, you got to push for it. Bible says that as they approached the Negev, right? That Amalek, the enemies, the second cousins of the children of Israel, they attacked them in Rephidim. The stakes were at an all-time high, uh, Reverend Edwards, and it was billed to be the highest pay-per-view battle in antiquity prior to David and Goliath. And so it's, it's, it's fair. It's fair to assume That Moses can what? He can use all the help he can get to win this here battle. But watch the text. Before help arrives, Moses strategically positions himself to receive the help that he needs. Lord have mercy. If, if, if I had a little bit more time right here, I'd preach to somebody in front of you about the understanding that sometimes you just simply have to be in the right position to receive the help that you need. We're always asking, we're always praying, we're always pleading for God to send the help. But a lot of times we fail to realize and hear God say, I already sent the help before you even asked for it. But the problem was you weren't where you were supposed to be to receive it. Note the narrative. The Bible says that prior to Amalek attacking, that the children of Israel, they are faced with yet another foe. Themselves. Ain't that something? You about to go into the biggest fight in recorded Hebrew history. And you can't even get your stuff together to fight what's ahead because you fighting amongst yourself. The Bible reveals that the children of Israel, they are busy fighting, arguing, carping, complaining. And when they get tired of doing that to each other, they decide they're going to then put that attention, put that heat on their shepherd, on their pastor, on the one who risked all to help lead them from whence they were to where God would have them to be. It's, it's, it's so hot in there on the church bus that Moses has to slow the bus down. It's a whole lot of heat going on. He says, Lord, uh, what, what, what you going to do here? What, what you going to do with this here, your people? Because it seems that they're almost ready to stone me. He's literally asking for some help. He says, God, I, I, I need some help. I need you to show up in a mighty, in a marvelous way. These people, they are, Lord, help, 
please lord they they are driving me crazy they they've taken years off my life uh they're never happy they're never satisfied they're never appreciative they're never thankful and yet in the midst of everything that's going on they still don't believe they've seen your power they've seen your mighty and sovereign hand they've seen the plagues they've seen the power of the blood as the death angel passed over their homes they've seen the parting of the red sea they've seen what you did to pharaoh and his army but all they want to do now is murmur against your servant and Lord if you don't do something soon I'm, I'm sure they're going to kill me out here in the middle of the wilderness God I need you to show up and I need you to do something with these your people I need you to hurry up and get here before I catch both a case and a charge around here uh, Lord you already know me you, you know how I get you know I got a speech impediment you know my words don't come out as smooth as my brother Aaron you know how I get you know how flustered and frustrated I get when my words don't come out right I'm already on parole I'm already killed and buried one Egyptian in my past and if they keep messing with me I'm going to start burying some Hebrews around here soon they better put some respect on my name and leave me alone God I need some help He's pleading for help. But look at what God says in response to his plea for help. Verse 5, God positions Moses to be able to receive the help that he needed. He tells Moses, do you see it in that fifth verse? Moses, go over before the people. Take with you some of the elders of Israel. He tells him, if you want my help, if you want my assistance, then you need to realize that in the midst of being with the people, that in order to lead them, that you got to learn how to move on before the people. In other words, Moses, you have to learn while in this season that we're in, you got to learn how to be, hear this, selective in how and where you choose to spend your energy and your anointing. I want to share with someone here that day that if you're here and you need some help, you need to learn how if you're really serious and sincere about being placed in the position to receive the help that only God alone can provide for you, you got to learn how to prioritize your energy. In the 2007 work entitled, I love this book, entitled Energy Zappers, Dealing with People Who Will Drain You Dry. <laughs> Authors Sean Blakeney and Wallace Henley provide practical formulas regarding how to deal with persons who they call energy zappers who will parasitically drain you of your purpose says the authors and I quote the world is full of people who are without God but you need to recognize that you are a limited human being a limited resource who cannot touch them all therefore you have to realize for yourself how to prioritize the use of your finite emotional and physical resources. If Jesus in his humanity couldn't touch them all, 
neither can you. Do not leave your place of Bethesda. Do not leave your place of ministry. But do learn to allocate your priorities prayerfully and carefully before your end will become your demise. End quote. Translation, you can't save everybody. You can't help everybody. You can't be there for everybody. You cannot continue burning the candle at both ends of the stick. Not eating, not sleeping, not resting, losing weight, gaining weight, not taking your own medication, not taking care of yourself, not taking a mental health day for yourself. But yet, you're here and you're there for everybody else. You're at this, you're at that. You're here for this person, you're here for that person. But yet, you're never there for your own or even for yourself. I know, I get it. You're rich, you're, you're, you're blessed, and you're highly favored. You've been promoted. You're, you're climbing the corporate career ladder now. You've got the crib. You've got the car. You've got the family. The success is yours. Your LinkedIn page is off the chain. The world is becoming your oyster. But now, because you're so blessed, now because you're so successful, now because you have so much going on, now you're too busy to be in church. You're too busy to worship. You're too busy to serve. You're too busy to be available. And you're too busy to be faithfully committed to the ministry that helped you and grounded you to grow into what you become. I know. I know you're important. Yes, everybody loves you. Yes, everything. You're everything to everybody. But but you fail to realize that now because you're everything to everybody, now you don't even see the fact that your own house is suffering. Your own marriage is suffering. Your own wife is lonely. Your own husband feels neglected. Your own children feel abandoned. You're a superhero to everybody else. You put on the cape. You put on the costume. You Batman. You Robin. You Superman. You Aquaman. You Wonder Woman. You the whole Justice League and the Marvel Universe for everybody else. And yet you wonder why you can save the world any day and every day, but you can never seem to save your own house. God has to tell Moses how to be in the position to receive help by telling him that you need to learn how to better prioritize your energy. I'm still right there in the fifth verse where God tells Moses, he says, go over before the people. Let them murmur. But you go on before them. You cannot respond to every complaint. You cannot address every murmur. You cannot reply to every email or every post or every sticky note left on your desk. You cannot digress with every discontented, disgruntled, and discomfited disciple along the journey of the kingdom work. No, Moses, I consecrated you, not them. I consecrated you on the backside of the Midianite desert in the midst of a theophanous epiphany, barefooted, with a burning bush that was not being consumed as your only witness to lead my children out of Egypt and you cannot do that you will never achieve that if you keep spending your energy spending your time, spending your resources and spending your anointing on stuff that's not going to help you achieve what I called you to be And there's somebody, there's somebody in here today who needs to realize that in every area of your life, God is calling you to do something that's going to bring glory to his name. But you're not going to be able to accomplish that as long as you keep wasting your energy, making yourself available to situations, scenarios, and to people who may be a part of your journey but who have nothing to do with your destination. 
And so, and so when you leave here after this benediction on today, you ought to go home and even after the game, you ought to be spending time meditating with the Lord. And by tomorrow morning, you ought to have a whole list of things that you aren't wasting your energy, your time, or your anointing on anymore. I'm not wasting my energy anymore dealing with people who want to whine, but who don't want to do no work. I'm not wasting my energy anymore fighting when I could be fasting, playing when I could be praying, procrastinating when I could be preparing, playing house when I could be trying to learn to live holy, being messy when I could be doing ministry, or even worrying when I could could be worshiping. I only have so much time to begin with and I have to learn how to prioritize it in such a way that my energy is being spent away that always honors God. So if you want some help, you got to learn how to use a word that is the most liberating word in the entire lexicon of the English language. You want to know what it is? Can I help you for free? You know what, you know what the word is? No. No. I ain't gonna be there for that. No. Uh uh. I wanna watch the game too. My kids wanna go to the theme park too. I wanna go see the movie on the day it comes out too. Every now and then. No. Because you're going to mess around and be there for everything and for everybody. And then when Amalek shows up, you won't have the energy to fight the battle that God's been preparing you to fight when he first called you into ministry. That's why many of us are ailing in this pandemic right now. Because we've missed the moment during the season in the pandemic where God is now pulling up. He's cur- if you let him, he's curtailing you. He's shedding some relationships. Your phone is brand new and the backup went bad on the last update. And you trying to find some old numbers that the Holy Ghost removed from your phone to begin with. Because there's an Amalek coming down the road. You can't do your job because you engaged in too much other stuff. In every area of your life where God has anointed you, you're doing okay, but you ain't doing what you could be doing. How long do we think God is going to allow us to be idolatrous in this season? Will we make ourselves available to everything we want to make ourselves available to? But then when it's time for him, we give what's left. No, 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 no. So, 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 so. He has a show, Moses. He has a show, Moses. He said, well... You got to learn how to prioritize your energy. Once you learn how to prioritize your energy, now you can learn to appreciate why you ought to never overlook the potential within a problem. See, if you got the energy to deal with the problem, maybe the problem ain't as big as you think it is. What would you do if I, and I'm just about done, what would you do if I were to tell you real quick that within every problem in life, 
there is also some potential within it. That's crazy, right? What would you do if I were to share with you that perhaps the purpose, the pedagogy of this pandemic is about us understanding that there is some potential within it, within the context and the concourse of the season that we're currently in. I get it. Don't I, I get it. I'll be the first to admit that sometimes it's very hard to see the potential within a problem. Don't worry, as a pastor, I'll be the first to stand up here today and say that sometimes it's hard to see the good inside of the bad. It's hard to see the testimony inside of the trouble. And it's hard to see the promise inside of the pain. But apparently, according to the narrative, there are times when God is leading us in such a way that things aren't always as they would appear. I want to very carefully submit and suggest to someone here on today that for every problem in our lives, family, financial, health, job, career, relationship, political, you name it, that there is also some potential within it. And that just because we do not see it doesn't mean that the potential isn't there. It could only mean that we have not grown spiritually enough to learn how to see it or discern it. Note the text. Note the text. The people are murmuring. Y'all know what those cicada bugs sound like in the summer every 13 years when they hatch? That's what a murmur is. It's, 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 it's a low drone hum until the apex of the evening. And then you can't even, you got to turn your TV up so you can't hear the cicada bugs all around. That's what murmuring is. It starts off with one or two, then it's five or seven, 12 to 15. Before you know it, you got a half a delegation that's doing And it sounds like cicadas. They are, they are murmuring and they're complaining because the word says they are thirsty. Some for water. Others to go back to what was. And so they are joining in with those who are truly thirsty. But they are registering their complaint underneath the auspice for water. God tells Moses, go on before the people. Don't, don't, don't you hang around in there too long. Go on before the people. Take with you the rod that I had for you to strike the Nile with. Go up now and strike the rock that I'll show you in Horeb. God tells Moses that he will be with him when he does it and that once he strikes the rock with the rod, that water will come forth to satiate the thirst of the people. Those who are truly thirsty for water will be satisfied. Those who are using thirst as an excuse for other agendas, they're going to still have a problem. But the water that comes forth from the rock will take care of those who are murmuring and complaining because what they really want is something to drink. Now, Moses would do exactly as he is commanded. Wouldn't you know it, just as the Lord would say, he strikes the rock with the rod, right? What happens? Water comes gushing forth. And the people did what? Drank. Now, here it is. Because of the magnitude of the problems that they've been dealing with, maybe this part of the journey didn't register with some of the Hebrews as it should have. Don't read over this too quickly. Maybe this whole thing with, with getting water from a rock didn't, didn't rank up there for some people like the parting of the Red Sea 
or even the seven plagues for that matter. But let me tell you something, make no mistake about it. When there is no water. Okay. When there ain't now drop of water. Trying to get water from a rock. That's a problem. Remember where they are. They are in the middle of the wilderness in enemy territory on the outside of the Najeb state line. No Walmart, no convenience stores, no 7-Eleven, no hot fire hydrants, not even a spigot with a water hose can be found out there. There isn't anywhere for them to get any water to drink. And then when God leads them to water, he tells them that they have to get it from a rock. You know how many rocks they've passed already? How many rocks they've stepped on? These are migrant people. How many rocks have been cutting their feet as they bipedal themselves to what they believe to be the promise of their next habitation? And God tells them that in order to get something to drink, that you have to find an obtuse, unconventional source, a rock. And if you overlook the problem... You'll miss the potential. It may not look like it, but what you need to survive, the Lord is telling Moses, what you need to survive is right there in that rock. It may seem strange to you. It may seem obtuse to you. But trust me, everything that you need to make it to the next phase of your journey is in that rock. And if you're not careful, you're going to miss your blessing. You're going to miss out on your help. You're going to miss out for what I have in store for you because you're too busy looking for water in all of the wrong places. Instead of trusting God to refresh you in all of the problem areas of your life. Uh, I want to share with somebody, that's why you have to be very careful about how you view things in life during this season of the pandemic. Because there may very well be some water in that rock. That's why you have to be very careful about how you approach things and make certain decisions during this season of the pandemic. Because there may very well be some water in that rock. That's why you have to be very careful how you view people and how you treat people and treat relationships in this season. Because unbeknownst to you, there may very well be some water in that rock. There's somebody in here today who can testify that, you know what, you aren't always as put together as you is right now. You aren't always as polished as you are right now. You aren't always as stately and mature. Your profile wasn't as good as it is right now all the time. No child, you used to be a rock too. You used to be a problem. Few saw your potential. Few saw the possibilities within you. But thanks be unto the Lord, the good Lord saw it. The Lord knew how to reach it. The Lord knew how to access it. The Lord knew how to tap into it. And he used somebody to help you see not only what was on the inside of you, but now what was once only on the inside of you, God is now using that as a blessing to bless everybody that surrounds you. I'm here to tell you today that there's still some water in that rock. Come on, there ought to at least be 20 saints in here who can testify. Be careful how you see me, baby. Be careful how you treat me. Be careful 
how you handle me. There's water on the inside of me. There's potential on the inside of me. There's promise on the inside of me. I know it may not look like it right now, but there's power on the inside of me. And when God starts using me, when God puts his hands over me, when God unleashes his Holy Ghost through me, watch me water your life. Watch me water your health. Watch me water your ministry. Because even though I may not look like it now, I may very well be the help that you need in the middle of this season of a pandemic once God draws out of me what he's already been pouring on the inside of me. Come on, touch or or just point at somebody near you and tell them there's water, there's water on the inside of me. And so if you want, you want some help, here's your formula. You got to realize that your journey is promised, but that don't mean you ain't going to have to go through nothing for it. You want some help? You got to learn how to start prioritizing both your energy, your time, your resources, and your anointing. If you want some help, you're going to have to learn how to become spiritually mature enough to learn how to see the potential within a problem because though it may not look like it the word says that what you need (laughs) is inside of that rock but finally and last but not least on today the word would have us to share on today that that when you know you're in need of some help hear this and I'm done in the time of trouble You got to learn how to trust in the testimony of the Trinity. Come on, sermon is over. Let me say that one more time. That, 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 that when you're in need of some help, let me see the hands of those. Just slip it up real quick if you know you're in need of some help. When you're in need of some help, the last thing you need to remember on today is that in your time of trouble, you need to learn how to trust in the testimony of the Trinity. Let me show it to you. Sermon is over. The word says Amalek attacks. Moses says to Joshua, choose some of our men and go out and you fight against Amalek. Behold, tomorrow I will stand on top of the hill with the staff of God in my hand. The word says that Joshua goes out to fight Amalek as instructed and while he is fighting. Moses, Aaron, and Ur, they are climb to the top of the hill. Now, I shared with you earlier in the sermon that at this stage of the journey, that Moses is now what? Tired. The journey has aged him significantly now. And even though he is willing, the word says that he is weary. Knowing, discerning, sensing, seeing that their leader is weary and fatigued. Aaron, his brother, and Ur, his closest friend and ally, journey with Moses atop the hill during this battle. They know that he needs some help. And so with the battle raging below, they stand together with Moses. I need you to see this. The text says that whenever Moses would raise his hands, that Israel would prevail. But that whenever he would rest his hands, that Amalek would prevail. 
Aaron and Ur, they stand there and they begin to see now this symbiotic relationship, just like the bee is to the flower. They see this symbiotic relationship between Moses atop of the hill and the army that is fighting for their statehood and freedom below. That as long as his arms are raised, that Israel prevails. But as soon as he drops his arms, the enemy prevails. Watch the narrative. There are three people atop this hill during the battle of Rephidim. One of them is desperately in need of some help from the other two. But the other two, Aaron and Ur, can't help the one unless they get some help from somebody else. I'm trying to walk you through this thing. I said that in order to help the one that is going to take the three of them to win this battle. Moses not only needs some help. Israel below not only needs some help. But now atop this hill, Aaron and Ur also need some help in order to help Moses as he is symbiotically helping Israel below. If only there was someone else who could join in. And make three with Aaron and Ur. Then even in this time of trouble. The word says that there would be a testimony from the Trinity. Can I teach it while I preach it? You know about the number three don't you? The number three is used some 467 times in the canonized Bible. It like the number seven symbolizes completeness. But you can't even celebrate the completeness of the number seven until you first affirm the completeness of the number three. It is the first of four spiritually perfect numerals. The others being seven, ten, and twelve. The word says that there were three righteous patriarchs before the flood. Abel, Enoch, and Noah. And that then after the flood, after the deluge, there were then three righteous fathers, Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. Oh, don't pay me no mind. I just get happy when I start talking about the number three. The word says that only three people were allowed to ask God for anything. There were Solomon, Ahaz, and of course, the Christ. The word says that God is described in the very beginning of the book of Revelation as a being which he is. A being which was and a being which is yet to come. The word says that after the revelation of the manifestation of the Trinitarian dynamic of the one who is to come, that an angel is in charge to give three roles in a cry to those who live on earth to make them aware that there are yet more trials to come. Uh, don't pay me no mind, I told you. I'm just talking about the number three. Uh, there were only three individuals. Who witnessed Jesus' transfiguration on Mount Hermon. Peter, James, and John. I wish I had a Bible reader. The word says that Jesus prayed three times in the garden of Gethsemane before his arrest. And that on the day of his crucifixion, the word says that he was placed on an old rugged cross at the third hour of the day. And that he died at the ninth hour, which was three o'clock p.m. Three is also the number of a resurrection. For the word says that Christ was dead for three days. 
before being resurrected early on that Easter Sunday morning. I didn't even mean to go here. The word says that the new Jerusalem created by God for placement on a new earth will be shaped like a square and that at each entrance into the city that it'll be guarded by three gates. Uh, They said it's three gates in the east, three gates in the west, three gates in the north, and three gates in the south. I'm just trying to tell somebody that there's power in the number three. The Bible says that in order to help Moses, that Aaron and Aaron needed to enlist some additional help. And the word says that when Moses' hands grew weary, that Aaron and Aaron, they then took a stone, much like the same rock that the Lord told Moses to strike a few verses earlier. Because they were paying attention, they took a stone, placed it underneath him for him to sit on, and they held up his arms. The word said one on one side and one on the other. And the Bible says that his hands were steady until the going down of the sun and that Amalek and his entire army was discomfited, cut down with the edge of the sword. Yes, Lord, I'm just trying to tell somebody in here that in your time of trouble, that when you're in need of some help, you need to be able to trust in the testimony of the Trinity. I said when you need some help, I said you need somebody, somebody you can depend on, somebody you can relate on, somebody you know who to call on, somebody to hold you up, both on your left side and on your right side, and also somebody who will be your firm foundation. Hey, good day, St. Paul. May the Lord bless you and keep you real good. But I just thought I'd tell somebody that when you're in need of help, I just thought I'd share with you that you need a rock. I'm here to tell you that you need a rock. A rock that can keep you. A rock that can sustain you. A rock that will provide for you. I said you need a rock. A rock that'll look out for you. A rock that'll put his arms around you. A rock that will remind you that everything will be alright. I know, I know, I know there are a whole lot of rocks out there. But I'm talking about a certain rock. I'm not talking about metamorphic rock. I'm not talking about sedimentary rock. I'm not talking about sandstone or limestone. I'm not talking about granite or marble. I'm not talking about obsidian or quartzite. No child. I'm talking about a certain rock. I'm talking about a sure rock. I'm talking about a tested rock. I'm talking about a sovereign rock. And I'm here to tell you that you need a rock who will walk with you, who will talk with you, and who will tell you that you belong to him. You need a rock that will pick you up, turn you around, place your feet on solid ground. Is there anybody here who can testify right here? Help me preach the rest of it. I know that rock. He woke me up this morning. 
pardon me on my way. I know that rock keeps food on the table, clothes on my back, shoes on my feet. You ought to point at somebody and say, I don't know about you, but my hope is still built on nothing less than Jesus' blood and righteousness. I dare not trust the sweetest frame, but I wholly lean on Jesus' name. Yes! Oh, Christ! Solid rock! I stand! All of the ground is sinking sand! My bank account sinking sand! My house sinking sand! My family name sinking sand! But on Christ! the Lord some praise if you've been blessed by that word. Can we give God praise for this powerful, prolific preacher, Dr. Stephen G. Blunt? My God, he's the Lord's preacher. Need you to do me a favor. If you're able to stand, if you're able to stand, we have heard from heaven in a very powerful and prolific way. I don't know about anybody else, but that, who was that word for beside me? Can we give God praise for this preacher one more time? As you're standing in the house, as you're watching us online, we want to take this opportunity to extend a chance for someone to get some real help. Because I have discovered in this pandemic, Dr. Blunt, the government can't really help you. I discovered in this pandemic, regardless of my educational proficiency, that couldn't help me. That I needed help from a higher source. I needed help from a higher source. And for those that are in the house, as well as those that are watching us online, I want to lead you to that rock, to that higher source. And so if you would bear with us just for a few more minutes. I want to lead you in a short prayer, a prayer of a new life, a prayer of a brand new start. And if you're in the house or you're watching us online, I'm going to ask you to do something that could transform your life. So if you wouldn't mind and if you're able, just bow your heads and repeat after me. God, I need help. God, I need you. I want you in my life. I need you to be my savior. Save me. 
from my sins. I admit I have sinned and I need your forgiveness. Thank you for sending Jesus to die for my sins. I believe he died on a cross. I believe you raised him from the dead. Now, God, I don't understand all that, but I believe it. And I put my faith in you right now. God, I accept the gift of your salvation. And I appreciate what you have done, what you are doing, and what you will do in my life. Thank you for the help. In Jesus' name, amen. Keep those heads bowed just for a moment. Keep those heads bowed just for a moment. If you are in the house and that prayer was meant for you and you want a relationship with God through Jesus Christ, you want to be baptized, you've never been baptized, you may have been baptized, but you didn't understand it when you were younger and you go like, I get it now. If that's you, if that's you, do me this favor. Just hold up your hand. Just hold up your hand. Just hold up your hand. If that's you, just hold up your hand. Just hold up your hand. I need my deacons, if you would, be watching over the congregation. If that's you, just hold up your hand. 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 If you are watching us, if you're watching us on YouTube or if you're watching us on our uh, website or Facebook, if you would, type in salvation in the chat box. When our digital minister is going to reach out to you, let you know what the next steps will be. If you're watching us, listening to us on the phone, if you would email us at connect at spbcnc.org or call the church office at 704-334-5309. Leave your name and your phone number and tell, leave the message saying that you want to be baptized. You want to be baptized. Someone by five o'clock tomorrow will reach out to you. They will reach out to you. If you're in the house and you're saying, listen, pastor, I'm already saved. I know who Jesus Christ is in the part of my sin, but I don't have a church home. I'm not connected to a church. Well, guess what? I would love to be your pastor. These men and women would love to be your brothers and sisters in Christ. And and we would love to do life with you. If you're in the house right now, you're not connected to a church, you've been going back and forth, or you've been away from St. Paul and you want to come back home. If that's you, do me this favor. If you would, just hold up your hand right now. Hold up your hand. 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 Our deacons are looking for you. Hold up your hand. Nothing to be ashamed of. Hold up your hand. If you have been a part of the church, or you're not part of a church right now, you want to unite with St. Paul, we would love to do life with you. If that's you, hold up your hand, hold up your hand. If you're watching us on Facebook or on our website, type connect in the chat box. When our digital minister is going to reach out to you, let you know what the next steps are, or email us at connect at spbcnc.org. If you're watching us on YouTube or listening to us on telephone, saying you want to become a part of the St. Paul Church. We would love to have you roll with us and we would love to do life with you. Amen. Amen. We have done as commanded and yet there's still room at the cross. I want you to be seated. Can we give God praise for this powerful preaching? Thank you all. Come on, we could do a whole lot better than that. My God, he preached the horns off of Billy Gold and the socks off a of mosquito. 
My God, we're getting ready to get out of here. We're getting ready to get out of here. Thank you, my brother. Thank you, Dr. Blunt, for that powerful word, for that powerful word. Thank you so much. Before, before I leave, I would be remiss if I did not at this time just take the opportunity to do a couple of thank yous. First of all, I want to, for those that are online as well as those that are in the house, our board of directors, I want to thank you for your prayers and support. And if you're a member of the board of directors, would you just stand right now? I want to see you if you're in the house or online. If you would, just put some clap, clap hands. Amen. I want to see you. Thank you all so very, very much. For the deacons that are part of this church and for all you have done to help us make sure families are connected. If our deacons are in the house, would you stand? Would you stand? All of our deacons, those that are watching us online, thank you all. God, thank you all so very, very much. We could not have made it without you being the eyes, the hands, and the feet of Jesus in these times. I'm going to ask that our staff, all of our staff, if you're in the house or if you're watching us online, if you would give acknowledgement right now. I so appreciate you all, all of our staff, all of our staff. Amen. We could not have done this. You all have been very, very wonderful, very, very gracious. And my God, you all have been a blessing. You all have been a blessing as far as that's concerned. And I want to uh, acknowledge all of our ministers, all of our ministers. If you're in the house, would you stand? Or if you're watching us online, I want to acknowledge you. Thank you all so very, very much for your prayers and for your support. Um, we got some gifted people. Now, do me one more favor. All the disciples who are part of St. Paul, would you stand? Would you stand? Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you for an incredible five years. Thank you all so much. And, and we definitely solicit your prayers. But listen, we're getting ready to get out of here. So while you're standing, let's go ahead and stand. <laughs> let's go ahead and stand. Let's go ahead and stand. And then we're going to have you sit down so we can dismiss you. Yeah, it's a lot. I ain't playing with this pandemic. Y'all know how I am about this. Let's bow our heads in prayer. God, we thank you for what our eyes have seen, our ears have heard, and our spirits have experienced in this place. Thank you, God, for the preaching of Dr. Stephen Blunt, for the rhema word you've allowed for him to share in this moment. God, I personally thank you for the wonderful people here at the St. Paul Church for five years how you've blessed people and pastor to do your work in this community and culture. Now, God, as we prepare to leave from this space and this place, but never from your presence nor your power, God, if you would keep us in your sovereign care until we're able to come back together either virtually or in physical form. Thank you, oh God, because eyes have not seen, ears have not heard, neither have entered into the heart of men and women the things you have prepared for those that love you. And we're looking forward to even greater. Have your way from this moment forward. It is in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. You may be seated. Uh, ushers, if you would, dismiss the people starting from the back. On the lower level, starting from the back. If you would.